In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You Podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode in the Renewed You podcast. I'm John Yule, and so glad that you are with us today. Today, we're going to be uh, talking in, uh, with someone who has gone through an incredible journey. It's going to inspire you and encourage you um, in all the areas that our podcast is trying to address, mental health, physical health, and spiritual health. You're going to hear in this story, and I'm excited to introduce this person to you. But before we get started, I want to give you a quote that's going to kind of summarize where we're going today. It's by President Abraham Lincoln, one of my favorite presidents. He said this about perspective. We can complain because rose bushes have thorns or we can rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. I love that quote because it's all about perspective. Two people looking at the same bush can have completely different focuses that they look at. And so many times in our life, what we focus on are the thorns and we miss the roses. If you know anything about a thorn bush, it's got way more thorns then it has roses, but it's the roses that make it look so beautiful. And if you have thorns in your life, I want you to know today that there's also roses and there are good things that can come from even the darkest of circumstances. And that's kind of where we're going to go today. I want to introduce you to somebody who is my guest today. She is my aunt, uh, my auntie, and she has been a very instrumental in my life in the area of my love for music. She actually taught me to harmonize around a piano in her house here in Moore, Oklahoma. So uh, she's kind of famous in her own right, if you like Southern gospel music. So uh, Felice Hauser is our guest today. How you doing, Auntie? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing good, and I'm so glad that you're with us on, on this podcast. Um, so just take a minute and kind of share with everyone kind of an overview of your of your story, of your life. You know, uh, where were you born? How did you get into music? That kind of stuff. Well, actually, I was born in Cushing, Oklahoma, uh, if you can believe that. Uh, Oklahoma girl, uh, lived in Oklahoma a few years when we were children. I'm the eldest of uh, three three children. I have a brother and a sister, siblings, and um, 
then we lived in New Mexico and we moved to South Texas and then back to Oklahoma, uh, kind of raised in a musical family, um, had aunties and uncles and uh, my mom uh, loved to sing and aunties and uncles that sang and played musical instruments. And so just kind of raised in that, actually it was, you know, it's a God-given thing I know uh, just put within us, but it was discovered when we were children at a very young age because it was in the house. So uh, I can remember when uh, your papa, I, my dad, after he came to Christ, when I was six, uh, not long after that in Ulysses, Kansas, we moved to Brownsville, Texas, and he started a little church with a gentleman named Brother Delaney there in Port Isabel. And uh, he absolutely just uh, loved the Lord. He was saved out of alcoholism, came to Christ out of alcoholism. And I'm being the eldest of the three children, uh, you know, had a lot that I remembered and the Lord's had to heal me from and deal with me on from what I remembered of that season in daddy's life. But after he came to Christ, uh, I could sing that song, Something's Happened to Daddy, because it totally changed our lives and it changed our house. And when we lived there in Brownsville, Texas, and, and Daddy was ministering there in the church with Brother Delaney that they started, he went over to Matamoros, Mexico, and got me a little 12 bass accordion. And I played in the key of C, and I knew two songs. <laughs> and and I became kind of like the church musician. They didn't have a pianist or anyone. It was just a small little uh, church there on the wharf. And uh, we did two songs every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night with me playing that little uh, 12 bass accordion. And then, you know, my, my brother and my sister, we just, we, our auntie taught us to harmonize. And uh, we would, sometimes go a hundred miles on a Sunday afternoon to singings there in Texas and uh, harmonize and sing. And the people just loved us because we were children and we had such a gift of God in us. Yes. And an ear for music, but also we could harmonize and just share Jesus in that age level that we were at in song. So it was, it was a wonderful beginning for me. Now did I remember Growing up hearing, you know, you and and my father and my other aunt, you guys used to travel and sing, didn't you? Yes, we did. And and uh, like I said, it's just been a part of our house and our life uh, for as long, honestly, as long back as I can really remember. I just remember that my grand, Duncan, your great grandmother, she used to tell the story that when I was three, that I crawled up on a piano bench, and I don't know whose house we were in, and that I picked out just one note at a time, Jesus loves me. And so she began to say, you know, this child has, uh, has a gift of God in music. Well, it was in the house already, but Gran recognized that. And uh, by the way, just let me say this right there, here about Gran. She, she's the one that taught me of angels. She's the one that taught me of all the beautiful things of God that I think when I really went through a darker time in my life, it stayed with me. It was something that was a real pillar for my life. Well, uh, we're going to get there uh, here in just a minute. Uh, let's let's talk about um, you. Um, 
you know, some people, they, they get this idea that uh, people like us that have grown up even in church, that we kind of have this blessed, this perfect, you know, existence <laughs> and, and like our bush has roses with no thorns, you know? Um, right. but, but you and I both well know that our lives have thorns too. And, um, uh, just, just talk about, um, maybe just begin the process of, um, the thorns in your life when, um, when kind of your first marriage, um, kind of started to, to devolve a little bit. Well, you know, if I could just go back just a little bit to start it, I really believe that part of it that I didn't understand at the time, of course, that I do now more so, uh, going through healing and inner healing and all, uh, was when daddy really, uh, before he came to Christ and he was so steeped in alcoholism and addiction and being the eldest child, I did not realize and understand how that could create such an emotional, psychological and mental issue for uh, those of us in the house, the family, the rest of the family was, you know, sick in its own way too. Uh, And so I believe that uh, after mom and daddy came to Christ and our lives began to just totally changed like a Damascus Road experience, so to speak. Um, I just began to do everything that that I saw my parents do as far as, you know, worshiping the Lord, loving Him, singing unto Him, praying, doing everything. But I didn't realize that it really wasn't something that was down deep uh, in my spirit with a spiritual connection one-on-one relationally with Jesus. I think that because of that, then my life just continued to take the journey that it did, but it was on a spiraling out of control that I didn't realize until everything really did hit my life, hit my front door, so to speak. And I realized that I didn't have that one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus that I had to have. I couldn't get there on my parents' salvation or my parents' uh, journey of faith. And and also... Uh, because I hadn't had the inner healing during my uh, adolescent years and teenage years, I think I was, uh, you know, I, I really was fighting for something that I didn't understand then, that I understand more so now. And that was identity. And who was I? I wasn't just, you know, best in Charlie Yule's daughter. I wasn't just the oldest child of uh, an alcoholic, one that had come out of alcoholism, that was saved, that was now serving Jesus, preaching on street corners, doing things for Jesus. I didn't know who I was. So in that, in those years, I really became quite rebellious. And uh, I'm not proud of that, but I was. And, And in my own illness, sickness, if you want to call it, sin, trying to find my own identity and my own relationship with Christ, my own purpose. I just continued to just do everything that life uh, threw at me and and what everybody else was doing and all my friends around me were doing and, you know, dating and doing all of that. Uh, Met a wonderful guy when I was in high school and uh, in New Mexico and got married at 17. And in that time, uh, you know, I, I mean, I loved and I cared and I cherished everything that I had in that relationship, but I didn't realize still that I was really void and empty. And even though we, uh, we moved to California in my first marriage, uh, 
after a while and my ex-husband got back from uh, Vietnam and we started to church at an Assembly of God church there. And I remember just sensing that there was still something missing and I was still just doing everything that I thought was right that I had been raised to do from the age of six when mom and daddy came to Christ and that I saw even my grandmother and and aunties and uncles do for Jesus but it wasn't personal it wasn't something deep and rich so as the years went on and we moved back to Oklahoma my life the Lord blessed us with a beautiful son uh, Jeff and he just became so much of a joy to my life but still I was trying to in that void to put uh, you know, my marriage and, and my son and all of that, that, that uh, I thought was going to give me the happiness and the joy and whatever. I still knew something down deep was just not right. It wasn't there. I was missing something. And so uh, even though, again, I was in church, I was doing all these things, but I didn't realize either that there was a great healing that needed to take place in my life. So, and go ahead. So, yeah, you talked, just a minute ago about, you know, childhood hurts. And I know that now you get to do as, as we're going to unpack your story here in the next few minutes, people are going to then hear, um, about this journey, but now on the backside of it, uh, you actually get to help counsel other people. And how many other people have you encountered that in their adult years through their thorny times of life, uh, still, it goes back to unresolved hurts from their childhood and things that happened to them as, as kids. You know what? I have to say, Johnny, really every single person that your Uncle John and I uh, have gotten the opportunity to listen to their heart and their story and their pain and their thorns as we unpack them, it usually always goes back to their childhood and to something in their life that that was unresolved, that they didn't, they didn't see, they didn't understand, that really caused them a great void, not just because of uh, lacking maybe relationship with Christ, but just because of what life encountered and what they, sometimes they dealt with that wasn't even their own fault. You know, it was uh, like, like with your papa, with, you know, with daddy, I, you know, that was his issue, but we all suffered because of it. Right. And sometimes I think, I know from my experience that um, kids are sometimes kid things are forced on kids by adults and the adults aren't intending it to like Papa, uh, your dad, he wasn't intending for his alcohol and the things that were kind of dominating his life at the time to affect you guys. But yet kids are still often faced with things that they aren't able to uh, emotionally or mentally able to properly cope with. And, and so they just kind of push things down and then those things come out later um, and we have to kind of go back and heal those. Um, is that kind of been what you've noticed? Very much so. And, and you know, uh, especially, of course, with my own personal testimony in life. But what I'm finding now is that God took all of that and the yuck muck of it. And like you said, all the thorns uh, and, and kind of turned them into some roses for me, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, built a platform so that now I have such a joy and very humbled opportunity to be able through uh, to through my witness in in testimony and in song uh, 
get to touch other people's lives, especially women. That's where my heart really is at, is to be able to help young girls and women to find themselves and their purpose in Christ uh, out of that thorny uh, field, if you will, and, and realize that God really does have a purpose for them. Yeah, he does. Well, let's let's start the journey then. So, um, when when did things start to un, unravel for you? Well, you know, I really believe, and 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 I've always, if I can use this terminology, I've always just despised uh, individuals that write books and they blame their parents and or they blame uh, the cat and the dog and whatever because of where their life went right. to a. A bad place. And uh, uh, I have to honestly say that even though I wasn't in touch with it, I do know that, uh, again, a great deal of it was just out of that root of sin, that ignorance, that place that I had in life and in my house as the firstborn, uh, mom and daddy having their issues until Christ came into their life, daddy being uh, addicted to alcohol until Christ changed him. And so coming out of all of that, taking my walk away, if you will, Joe and journey out, I think that that when everything really began to capsulize in my life was in my late 20s when I, I had a hysterectomy. And uh, uh, I was quite sick and didn't know it. But, uh, but after the hysterectomy, uh, and it was complete. I mean, everything. And in those days, they didn't do the laparoscopic stuff. So yeah. it was like, it really was a traumatic uh, experience. And at that time, afterwards, hormonally, things were not known like they are today. And so I, I don't put blame on that either. Because again, I still believe that most of my problems came out of the root and, and if you will, that uh, of just sin and rebellion and just not knowing who I was in Christ and searching for that. But I absolutely, after that hysterectomy, I really got lost. I was so lost in life. I, I did not know who I was. I mean, I really just like woke up after that surgery and I realized I did not know who I was. I had no idea that a lot of that was physiological as right. well as being emotional and psychological sure. from my past. And it was also a spiritual sure. root system that was I, I was still searching for. It was still a big hole in my life and void. And so after that, things just really spiraled downward uh, for quite some time in my life at that time. And I literally... I went through divorce. I fell to a dark, dark place, terrible pit in my life. I literally did not want to live. And and the Lord, thank God he spared my life. And he loved me so much and had a had a purpose. But I remember uh, overdosing and, and just really wanting to die and uh, laying in more hospital for three days. And, uh, you know, the doctor coming in and saying, you know, why why did this happen you know why didn't you uh, call someone and then why didn't you reach out and i pushed my family away i pushed everybody away i went through three and a half years of this terrible dark place and uh, just a pit that seemed to have no bottom actually and uh, then when the police came in to visit with me because i had attempted suicide and so the police when he came in i'll never forget of course you know sometimes we look at people 
and you kind of said this a while ago, that we, we think that they don't have any issues or any problems because of the way they appear or the way that they right. look or sure. what they do. And he said to me, he literally said to me, looking at you, you would think that you would be someone that would have everything. How did your life end up here? And he was quite angry. And he used some, some actually some swear words with me. <laughs> Cause he was so angry. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said to him, I don't know, but I know that I don't want to be here. And, and I, I remember, uh, being angry when the sun came through the hospital room window that morning, because I thought I, I had believed a lie. First of all, that I couldn't do anything and do it right. I'd had a failed marriage. I had other things that I had dealt with in my life and my journey that had been on that scorecard that were failures and checkoffs. And I thought, here I can't even try and take my life and do it right. Here I am still here. And you know, from um, your your nephew on this side of the screen and yeah. interview, um, I didn't know it got that bad. I, I guess I didn't know that um, that you had, had attempted to take your life. And I mean, that, that just has to be a completely different person than the person that I had the privilege of knowing. And and yet I think it's important because the people that are listening to this podcast are going to be people that are, that are in the thorny place of their life, trying to find their rose. And, um, I know that was where you were. And, uh, when, when you went there, when, when, when you kind of came to and realized, you know, the whole thing about, uh, you said that you didn't feel like you could do anything right. And I know that, that for many people, you know, that that's going to resonate because there's a perfectionist streak in all of us who who think we have to get things right. Um, but I don't think we properly give credit to the things that hormonally affect us. Like when you had your hysterectomy, I mean, that's a major shock to the system to, to the, the hormones that are suddenly just gone. And, and you can go through, if you're a listener, you can be going through, you know, menopause change or, or maybe, maybe even a guy who's older and your testosterone has dropped. Those things are real. Those things really do affect your brain and they do affect the way that you think. And that's why it's important that, that you check those levels and, and keep them as balanced as possible. But, um, talk a little bit more about, you know, you, you got to this dark place. We don't need to grovel there, but right. What, what was it that kind of kind of broke through and caused you to realize, man, I, I gotta, if I, if I, if I, I think if I remember your story correctly, there was a time where you thought, you know, if I stay here, I'm going to, I'm going to die. So I got, I got to change this thing. What was it that caused you to, to begin to change your mind and your heart and your body? Well, you know, they were physiologically working with me on hormones and it just seemed like there wasn't, uh, they couldn't find a balance at, for whatever the reason. It's everything that we tried, the you know, the shots and the pills and all this stuff. Um, it just, it, it wouldn't bring in me into a stabilized place. It would work for a while and then it, there would be drops. And so uh, we really had to work on that. At the same time, I, again, was still very aware of this void, this dark hole inside of me that I knew was not, it was very empty, and I didn't have that relationship with the Lord that that Jesus and Felice needed to have uh, relationship-wise. And uh, and and I think that as I began to, as things began to come together a little bit more with my 
physical body with the hormone balance coming more into play eventually. That helped a great deal to uh, to take me emotionally and psychologically out of a place of no hope. And I mean, that really did help. I have to say that. I know God was in all of that. Sure. But, but I also know that, uh, and I, let me just throw this real quick in here. You know, when Uncle and I deal with people today so much in deliverance and in counseling and such in ministry, uh, it, so many times it's, it's all about, well, you know, the devil put me here or the devil made me do it. Or you look at a spiritual deliverance. And sometimes we are very aware by the help of Holy Spirit that that's not exactly all that's going on. There really is some psychological or uh, physiological issues and that they need to go and have You're their right. hormones checked. They need to go and get a good physical. And... um and so, you know, it's sad, but we all want a quick fix, and, and sometimes we don't want to take the journey. And what I realized in my life is that I had to take the journey. Now, I can say today I praise God for that because, again, he's turned it into mm -hmm. something more beautiful for him and given me a platform to be able to to share when he opens the door like today of that. But I I just know that it it has to work together. We, you know— we are spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes we don't deal with that uh, triune being. We, exactly. we just think everything's got to be a, a spiritual aspect. And that's eternally, that's the most important. But what about here? Mm -hmm. You know, I want a little heaven to go to heaven in, and I want to enjoy <laughs> my life sure. while I'm here. And uh, and the pit wasn't it. And that's what I call it. It was just just literally... Uh, terrible pit. And there was a lot of things that happened in there. But I, I will say this, that uh, I came to the place where even with everything that was happening, uh, physiological, my hormones being worked with and dealt with and uh, having just a little bit more of a joy to see the sun come up in the morning and not, I mean, there were folks in that time in that three and a half year pit in my life that I will just say, and I've only said this a couple of times in in my testimonies in the past, but that they're not here today. I lived and came out of it. They didn't. Yeah. So I, I, and it was, it was, it was very, 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 a very, very ugly place that when the light came in, I used to remember singing that song. Uh, I was looking up through the bottom when he finally shined his light on me. I was there. It was just a very, very dark place. I, I began to be aware that God had spared my life. He had, he had not let me lose my son. That was just everything to me uh, and the joy of my life. And one Sunday afternoon, just about dusk, I took a drive out in the country between Moore and Norman. And I was uh, actually off of Western uh, today. But, and I turned off this side road uh, between Moore and Norman. And I, I actually took uncle one time and we went looking for it. And I, I saw this oil well and I pulled up over this cattle guard, uh, into this oil well area and watched the oil well pump. And I remember rolling down my window in my car and just for three and a half years, I did not cry tears. I was so hard. I mean, the love that I have today for people in my life, uh, for the Lord, just life itself was not there. I was so angry that I still, that I was here. Uh, Lord, you know, if you could recreate 
the world after the flood. Why couldn't you do something with my life? You, you know, you wouldn't let me take my life. So, you know, what, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? But I was crying out with my voice out loud out the window, but there was no tears. The doctors actually gave me sap to put my eyes because they were so dried up. Very, very hard. Very, very hard. And so anyway, um, now I think that's interesting because, so I want to jump in here. So go ahead. You're saying that you recognize looking back, there was a hardness in your heart. Oh, and you're talking that that's a spiritual thing. Oh yeah. Right. So you're saying that a spiritual hardness manifested itself in a hardened area of your body. Exactly. Absolutely. And it was through the tear ducts. It literally dried them up. And, and, uh, which made me more hard because, you know, there, there is something in the releasement of tears and yes. I don't apologize today I when I cry. I don't apologize anymore when I cry, but I used to. And the Lord just told me, don't, don't apologize anymore. I gave you those tears. Remember the time you couldn't cry tears. I did. Oh, I was crying on the inside, but I've got to tell you this at that old well that day, after I screamed at God out the window, I put my head on my arms on the steering wheel and I was sobbing, but there was no tears. Yeah. And the only time in my life that I ever heard the audible voice of God was at that oil well that day. And my name was called from the back of the car and it was called twice and it was Felice. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I was just in frozen position. Now, my window was down, but it literally frightened me so desperately that I grabbed for the door handle on the car, and it would not open. Now, my car door wasn't jammed, and it wasn't locked, and, but the Lord had me where he needed me, and he, he just said he loved me with a never-ending love, that he had spared my life because my life belonged to him, and that the gift of my son belonged to him as well, but he had blessed me and my life with that son. And that's why he had not allowed me to take my life because he, my son and my family needed me. And he Mm -hmm. said, and the, the world around you needs what I have put in you. And I remember there was a envelope on the passenger side of the floorboard and, uh, an empty envelope. And I, shaking and and just so overwhelmed with this presence of God and voice of the Lord, I picked it up, tore it open, grabbed a pen out of the console in my car and began to write what the Lord had said to me as best as I could, just very, very distraught and and whatever. Again, my my tear ducts were still dried up, I but I was crying and sobbing. Well, so after the Lord spoke to me, I somehow got the car moving and drove back into the Oklahoma city area. And I came down Western and I got to uh, what is now I two forty at the stoplight right there under I two forty and off to the right was a church. And uh, I think it's, I think it's a Spanish church today. And I don't remember what the name of it was, but I was not dressed to go into a church the way I'd been taught to dress. I was a nervous wreck. At that time, I, I had picked up habits, terrible addictions and habits. One of them was cigarettes. And, and I, I mean, I was just in a terrible place to what I had been taught I needed to be like to go to church. Mm-hmm. But I pulled the car in that parking lot and, uh, 
somehow God helped me get out of that car, not again, not dressed like uh, I was taught to dress to go to church. And I went in to the church and the pastor was was ministering the word. And I sat on the back seat by myself, just totally a wreck. And all of a sudden he began to cry and he stopped his message and said, I don't know why, but I, I just since I'm I need to stop uh, what I'm saying here and share with somebody that's here tonight that you feel like you are so far from God that and there's no hope for your life and that your you know your life is just done and over you've tried to take your life just read my mail mm -hmm. well when he gave the invitation and he said oh I've got to tell you one thing God said to me at the old well I have not moved you have mm -hmm. and when I was at the stoplight and I saw this church on the marquee it said God has not moved you have that's the one thing that caused me to pull the car into the parking lot to go in the church and it was a calling card of God and so when he gave he said God has not moved you have and he loves you with a never-ending love which is what God had spoke to me in the car mm -hmm. audibly so when he gave the invitation I walked that aisle that night for myself by myself knelt down at the altar at the front of the church and this woman came and knelt beside me she put her arm around me and she sobbed i saw the tears dropping on the altar and she cried the tears i couldn't cry mm -hmm. and she said to me god has such a, a hand of uh, himself upon your life you are highly called to service and ministry for his glory you are an instrument for him he has spared your life for a purpose she didn't know me from eve and then this pastor came and knelt in front of me and uh and again i was sobbing but no tears she was crying the tears i couldn't cry that was the, that was the beginning they prayed with me they led me in a prayer of commitment to jesus christ taking all of the thorns and all mm -hmm. of the baggage and all of the junk, all of the darkness, all of the lack of, of hope and even desire to live and thinking there was a future for me and all of this and just help me take it and give it just simply to Jesus. And that's, I mean, that was the beginning of the turn. And then just a few weeks later uh, was, was Easter and I went to Bartlesville took Jeff and went to my son and went to Bartlesville. And it was there in the dining room at the parsonage in your mom and dad's house, their parsonage there in Bartlesville, that dad came up behind me and wrapped his arms around me in a rocking chair, Boston Rocker, where I was rocking, and put his head on top of my head and started sobbing. Your mom knelt in front of me and just began to quote, the Lord is my shepherd, I mm -hmm. shall not want. And when she got to the part that said, yea, though I walk, to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And she kept reading that part over and over. And they were crying tears I couldn't cry. And as dad and mom ministered to me and prayed, <laughs> God's love over my life, into my life, it began to flood my soul inside of me. I felt it. It's like it came from the deepest part of me. I mean, like a dam broke. I began to cry. I... Johnny, I cried for days and nights, days and days and days and nights. The next morning was Easter morning, I believe it was, and I went to, to church for the first time in three and a half years. I had written your papa a letter and said, don't ever talk to me about God again. Mm 
I'll never darken the door of a church again. I mean, yeah, it was so much, so much involved. But the, the night at the, that evening at the oil well changed my life. Going into that church changed my life. Going to Bartlesville set my tear ducts free. And uh, now sometimes I, uh, it seems like I can cry over anything. Uh, <laughs> and I don't apologize for that. Understood. But I'm just saying it was an emotional, it was a mental, and it was a physical coming together. Uh, I think in that dining room in Bartlesville, when my tear ducts were loosed, there was, and that damn broken side of me, everything collided and came together in, in a place in a way that I had searched for all my life. So what I'm hearing you say is that you know, when you were in this dark place that many people find themselves in. Um, and sadly, a lot of people, it takes a dark place for some of them to reach out um, to God. Sometimes right. it's because we're looking, like you said, for an easy way out. But I think for most people, it is that sense of desperation that if you're not there, God, then I really am lost. And what right. I'm hearing you say is that this God encounter that you had allowed you to exchange your loss, your hurt, and your pain with God's love, his hope, and his promise. And I think yes. from those encounters, things drastically, I mean, drastically mm. shifted for you to the point that uh, the musical side really was reborn in a new way. Um, take about five minutes and just take us through quickly, uh, maybe five or six minutes, the uh, the music side that that became part of, of your new existence well after i had come back from bartlesville uh i was working at american fitness centers as a figure consultant and instructor and that was a big deal to me and i i was just fanatical about working out it it was like everything that had been out of place and out of whack and unhealthy i wanted everything to get healthy but i wanted it like two days ago so i was kind of overdoing but but it was it was good for me and um a very precious person who is now by marriage to your uncle john we've been married going on 40 years now so this was a while ago that i'm telling you the story of my life here as far as the pit but she came in to work out and she told me that uh she had a prison ministry her and her husband and they had a band and she wanted to know if i would go with her to the women's prison and sing sometimes she had heard my family sing years before she knew the ministry of god in our family and in our lives and and the music and i just told her oh i'm not i'm not ready i'm not good enough yet i i can't i can't because i gotta say that three and a half years one thing i did not do was sing the songs of the lord or touch my piano i knew it was an anointed thing i knew it was a gift from god and and so i know that sounds strange i had a piano in my house i never touched it and i did not sing it was like it was something that uh i would just cross a line uh, where I was at, because if I didn't commit the sin in that three and a half years, I thought it. I was like Paul. I was the most wretched of sinners, and I really was, and I didn't care. But this had changed so much in me, and I wanted so to do everything right. Well, Aunt Anne just said, who's my Aunt Anne now, uh, she said, if you wait till you're holy enough or good enough or ready, you'll never sing again for the right. Lord. And so she kept after me, uh, and a month later, I did go with her to Mabel Bassett Prison, Clearwaters, and uh, that night, a man walked in, 
and stood against the wall and listened to, I was singing Amazing Grace with the, her band playing and I was at the piano and uh, I was introduced to this man later. He worked in the prison system and had been working for doctors and mental health and all this stuff. And that's your Uncle John now. But uh, he was the one that brought in uh, ministries and things to the prison. And he was on the warden's council and was a substance abuse counselor at the prison. And so anyway, he loves to tell people today that he met his wife in prison. <laughs> I was anyway, thinking you met uncle in prison. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, that was, that was the beginning uh, of a change of taking the things of God uh, that had been there all along that uh, came with me from him, but that had been discovered in my journey and taking it and bringing it out, bringing it forward. Uh, and then the Lord just uh, continued after that. Within a year or so, Uncle and I married, and and then the Lord just uh, totally began to open doors. He was he went into the full time ministry in the United Methodist Church as a pastor. That was the church of his youth, and God called him to take the word back in. Uh, he had he had just really come into the things of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. So we were pastoring in Southeast Oklahoma, and he had told me that he was never going to put a false burden on me. Uh, musically or anything, just because I was his wife. Uh, and uh, yet he called me one morning and said there was a funeral at the at the church he was officiating. And he said that the pianist and singer had not shown up and could I help him? And so uh, I went out the back door of the parsonage in the side door of the church, sat down at the piano. He said the family wanted in the garden and how great thou art at this service. I sang it sang the songs uh, in the service, and that was on a Monday. On Friday morning at 8 o'clock, our phone rang in the parsonage, and it was a man who had been at that service, and he had come out of country music. He had taken Dolly Parton's sister Stella for her first album, took my friend Reba McIntyre for her first album. No, whoa, 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 you just name-dropping. You're (laughs) name-dropping. You know Reba. I know Reba. <laughs> All right. So this guy, yes. this guy, in other words, this guy was was serious. He he knew yes. he knew what yes. he was doing. Yes. And he said he had been at the service. He believed I had something that was special and that God's hand was upon. And and then we talked a little bit about the fact that I'd been raised in a musical family and as a child had grown up with music. But anyway, within two months after some meetings with uh, your uncle and whatever, and I. Uh, he brought me to Oklahoma City for my first album, which was entitled In One Accord. We don't even put it out anymore, but that was 14 albums ago. And uh, Sun Grace Music Ministry was birthed out of all of that. Songs began to come that God gave me to write. Uh, a lot of album debuts. In fact, you came and sang at one at the uh, high school auditorium in Pittsburgh County there. I remember. And, uh, so, you know, and then opportunities for radio and television and, and you know, turning down opportunities to keep one thing I've learned uh, Johnny is to keep God in the control seat of my life. I, it was a big deal to me. I did, I did not ever want to go back to that dark hole. Yeah. And so uh, that was a big deal when I had opportunities, which I've had out of Nashville to turn down opportunities and contractual opportunities. I knew if I became a product for somebody else, that God would not be in the control seat of my life and of the music. Yeah. And so uh, 
so we've said no to that. God opened doors for, you know, television. I had my own television show for Jesus for a while. You were uh, one of my wonderful guests on there uh, several times, uh, being on TBN, which you have been and shared musically and my witness. But I guess just what, I, what I'd like to say to the folks uh, that might be listening today is that, you know, you, the, the whole purpose of us being here on planet Earth is to discover that purpose and to discover God in that whole being that we are. N you know, not just spiritually, but that's eternal, yes, but emotionally, psychologically, physically, you know, to realize that he wants us whole in our right. whole being. So how, I, I think it's great, by the way, um, I'm just sitting here. Some of this I'm hearing right now, folks, for the first time. And this is my aunt that I'm talking to. But for the first time, I think Sun Grace now makes sense to me. Why yeah. you called it Sun Grace? Because Jesus, the Son, gave you grace when you didn't feel like you deserved it. And um, yeah. if you're listening today and you feel lost and hopeless, and maybe maybe for you it's hormonal imbalance, and you need to get those things in in, in, in level and get them in line. And please don't underestimate their importance because everything in your body folks flows through your brain. If it's in your blood, it exactly. flows into your brain. And when you put any kind of substance into your body, it's going to affect your brain either for the good or the better or the worse. So like, for example, if you are someone we're in the fall right now, when this is being recorded, and there's a lot of people taking Benadryl uh, to help with allergies uh -huh. and whatever. But you may not realize that the chemicals within the Benadryl actually inhibit brain function. And um, exactly. it can actually harm your brain. In fact, if you take too much Benadryl, you can hallucinate. And I say exactly. that only to illustrate, folks, what you put in your body affects your brain. Yes. And your brain is really the it's the decision maker of your life. And so you, we really do need to make sure that our hormones are in balance, that, that we're taking good vitamins, that we're drinking enough water, something we're going to talk about in another podcast with a, a trainer about the importance of staying properly hydrated. Um, but those are the physical things, but by the same token, uh, your spirit also has to, to come in line and, and we all yeah. have a spirit being. And, um, we believe as Christians that the way your spirit comes alive is through a connection with God through Jesus Christ. And if you are in a dark place, I just want you to know you're never in a dark enough place or far enough away that the grace of the son can't reach you if you'll yes. reach out to him. And um, I know, Auntie, he's changed your life. You've now been singing, you said, you know, 15 albums or whatever, um, and uh, Southern gospel music. And you've traveled all over the United yes. States, still are ministry and other parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I I I think that it's so important too, uh, Johnny, to share that when you find that when you find that that hole inside of you, that void that is filled with God, He totally then begins to minister to you as a whole being, and He does want you to be healthy spirit, soul, and body. And I don't know if you can see, but back there, I've got a kickboxing. I kickbox and I love, I love the, uh, when I get on my bag mm -hmm. every day and get the gloves on, it is really, it's really, uh, 
there's a release. So he's in all of that, that you bring him, you bring him into every part of your life uh, when he becomes your Lord and your Savior. Well, Savior, but we work to make him Lord, right? Yes. Of every, every area of our life. But, and you know, we have great lineage, uh, Johnny, and, uh, and heritage. Uh, you know, we have Charles Spurgeon was mm-hmm. on your papa's side. King Richard the Lionhearted was on Gran- Granny's side. Uh, Sir Francis Drake was on Granny's side. So that's natural lineage. But the greatest that uh, lineage and, and uh, all that we have is Jesus and uh, our creation in, in the Lord and from God. And to discover that and then begin to let him unfold literally all that that means in that Trinity being that you are spirit, soul, and body, and taking really excellent care of that spirit, soul, and body, and learning how to do that. He birthed about three years ago a Fresh Avenue of ministry out of Sun Grace Music Ministry, and it's called a Life Well Lived Seminar. And I, we literally teach on, in the morning session, we teach on the spirit being. Then in the afternoon session, we talk about the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, and that's staying healthy. And then we talk about in the last session uh, of the day, we talk about how to, how to do that. How did, how does it, what does this look like to take mm-hmm. care of the spirit, soul, and body? And how do you do that? How do you uh, find good supplementation? How do you uh, eat well and eat good? And, uh, and that doesn't make everybody little clones, but it takes where you're at and what your life is and makes it, with God's help, makes it healthier. And teaching everyone that we are a spirit that has a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body, and God wants us completely whole as a triune being. And and that's exactly right. Um, well, we've got a few minutes left. I'm going to ask you one more question, but before I do, I, I want to encourage everyone, if you would like to learn more about uh, Felice Hauser and her husband, John Hauser, and their ministry, it's called Sun Grace. Music Ministries, you can visit their website at www.sun-grace.com and uh, uh, you can uh, get albums there and, and just, just get some some good information. Um, but you can also find out, you know, once we start traveling again, um, after we get out of this silly virus situation that seems to have the world locked down, um, you can find their travel itinerary there, itinerary there as well. And go and uh, see them live and, and be in their their ministry. Um, but I want to I want to take just a minute. Uh, we have about ten minutes left. I want you to take about five minutes, Auntie, and I want you to imagine that you're in one of those aglow meetings or or, or whatever, and you're talking to uh, some women that are in that. You know, there's a lot of people struggling with depression, especially with what's going on right now um, in this COVID situation. I I have a real strong sense that as we're nearing the holidays in 2020, that there is just, there is a need for a spirit of hope to come back to our country um, because there's such a darkness and such a depression. But um, I want you to imagine that you're talking to some of those people and how would you encourage them to start to find their way out to a new life? I would say uh as soon as you begin to identify uh, what I call from without 
just around your, your life, coming against you from without oppression. When you begin to feel something really heavy pressing in on you, whether it's mentally or it's emotionally, or it's even spiritually or psychologically. I mean, maybe you know Jesus to a degree. You're on some level of relationship with him as Savior. But you you just, you really begin to feel all of that going under fire and under attack. Um, and you begin to feel heavy. You begin to feel oppressed. Before it begins to take root deeply inside of you, I mean, where it just sits down and makes itself at home inside of your life as a depressive thing, something that's very destructive, uh, deal with it. Reach out to somebody. Reach out to a trusted friend or a, a, a pastor. If you have, hopefully, a doctor that has some sense of faith or hope uh, and trust in, in a God and Christ, you know, talk to them, reach out to them, get get you some counseling, uh, reach out to a Christian counselor, somebody that can literally, don't try and go it alone. Because I think that's the thing that was used against me the biggest was that I isolated, I pushed my family, I pushed everybody away, and I believed the lies. And so what was oppressive from without became depressive within, and it, it overtook me within. And the Lord is so there for you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And, you know, I know we've uh, heard uh, repeatedly for many years now, Jeremiah 29, 11, but that is very excellent. I'll tell you another passage that became a lifeline for me, and that was Romans chapter 8. That's my very favorite chapter in the whole Word of God. And I love the whole scripture, but that that is everything to me. And many times I have to go back and revisit that very personally, like it was just fresh yesterday, where Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And that's an important who. Um, I, I love conjunctions in scriptures, and that's that's important. So remember that you're valuable. Remember that God loves you. He does have a plan and purpose for your life. And reach out to someone that you really believe has some sense of care for you and just risk to trust. And then, you know, cry out to, to Christ, to, to the Lord, to God, and, and just be willing, uh, as Johnny shared earlier, to to do the great exchange, be willing to, to identify some of those things that are thorns in your life that literally are destroying you and be willing to just say, God, help me. I want to make, I want to trade these in for something better. This is not life. Uh, and I'm on a destructive path or I'm on a path that's not, uh, not going to lead anywhere, but to destruction. And again, realize too, though, that this may be a spiritual a condition and situation. Usually that's always a, a, a strong root there, but make sure that you have maybe uh, get a good checkup, get, go and let the, let a, a doctor that you trust just really visit with him and, and have everything checked. I know there's uh, things for men and women that work very similar hormonally mm -hmm. and things that we just don't understand when we don't pay attention. Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, take good care of yourself physically, you know, get out and take daily walks, take 10 minutes in the sunshine, you know, every day. Uh, it, all of those things spiritually and soulishly and physically are just vital to our health and our well-being as a person in earth today. Uh, just just being the best that we can be and uh, 
representing God also in a very serious time. Well, Auntie, I appreciate you uh, sharing your story today. And uh, we don't often end this podcast this way, but uh, I'm going to, I'm actually going to pray today. Um, and I love the fact that um, some of you may be listening to this podcast right now and you might uh, be thinking, um, well, you're, are, aren't you, don't you believe that everything begins with this, the devil, the enemy of our soul. And I'm here to tell you that he's a real, it's a real force, but we don't want to give him credit for everything that's wrong. Sometimes we bring things on ourselves because we're unhealthy, because we're putting the wrong things in our body. And, and we, we actually create the uh, environment for some of the negativity and the depressive things to come in, but you said a line auntie that I'm going to, and then I'm going to pray this out. I I thought this was good. I'm actually going to steal this and I'll give you credit for it in a message someday. I love this. What was oppressive without became depressive within. Mm. And I think, I think we need to understand that, that there is forces at play in our life that want to get us to focus on the thorns of our life and that want to get us into these dark places. And if they get us into the dark places, then, then we drown in, in yeah. depression, but, but not everything is, uh, an evil force, but man, we want to recognize what is the avenues that can help us to become healthy for some yes. of you listening today. You need to go get a checkup. You haven't had one in five yes. years for some of you. Yes. You need to stop drinking so many Dr. Peppers and, and Cokes and start drinking <laughs> more water and cut the number one yes. addictive substance in our culture, which is yes. sugar out of your diet will greatly affect your body. Yes. And then some of you, man, you need to go cleanse your spirit. You just need to come clean before God and let God begin to deal Mm. with you there. So I want to pray today, Lord, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my heritage. I thank you for my aunt and her journey. Um, Lord, I thank you, God, that, um, in your grace and your mercy, you know, the avenues that our life is going to take. And yet you choose to let us walk those avenues, but you always have this way of being able to reach into those dark places when we get to that desperate point and when we're ready to reach up in faith and hope and you're able to help us help pull us out into a new day and a new life and give us grace through your son. But Lord, I also recognize that not everyone listening today is in that position. For some people, Lord, it is as simple as getting their physical chemicals in order And that's an important part. And God, for others, Lord, it's as simple as learning to forgive someone for what they said or did to them years ago. But no matter what the avenue, you want us to be whole in our mind and our spirit and in our bodies. And I pray today that somehow through your grace, something that is said today will encourage someone to reach out in hope and to take a new step and let today be the first step of the rest of their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 